0: Hi everyone. I hope everyone's doing well today. Uh, Welcome to my third webinar series for the year, uh, part three of the construction webinar series live here from Lois Law Firm. My name is Tashia Rasul. I'm a partner here at Lois Law Firm. I head up the construction defense team here, the team that practices only defense of workers' compensation claims arising out of construction claims in New York City. Uh, Today, we're going to talk a little bit about New York workers' compensation law and what you need to know in terms of defending workers' compensation claims in New York. Um, Just a reminder, this is a live presentation. Ask questions, I will answer them in the end. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about, actually, before I get into it, I would like to say my producer had told me that my slides are a little bit boring, so I've spruced them up this week. So feel free to tell me how they are in the comments. Um, so we're going to talk about the timeline of a workers' compensation claim, how a workers' compensation claim impacts a general liability claim, workers' compensation uh, milestones that we should be aware of. Again, it's a live webinar. I will be answering questions in the end. Type your questions into the box that looks just like this. And let's start. See, there you go. Told something was going to happen. All right, so I'm going to try not to replicate our regular New York workers' compensation webinars, where we go into details about everything you need to know of workers' comp. one, because I want you to still attend those webinars, and two, I'll be talking forever, and you'll probably just sign off on me. So I'm gonna go through the main things that we need to know, especially when it comes to construction. Claims. So let's talk about the timelines. The timelines are very, very, very important. And the reason why is because everything starts the moment an accident occurs, or the moment an accident is alleged to have occurred. So first for accepted claims, we, um, once, once a claim is accepted, or uh, I'm sorry, once a claim has been uh, either by an accident or the claim is alleging that there was an accident, there is an initial investigation to confirm loss. Generally, the investigation is quick and brief. A medical comes in. There's someone in the job site who said they saw something happen. And the decision is made to accept the claim in many situations then after the claim is accepted um the carrier the imploring carrier have to make a decision um well the, the filings have to be made with the board and this is typically based on the 1810 rule which is 18 days from the date of disability or 10 days from the date that the employer knew of the disability the determination must be made within uh, within this time frame and the proper documents must be filed through the e-filing procedures or the board will issue penalties. After the claim is accepted, there's uh, medical and lost time benefits. If the claimant uh, lost only a few days from work, it might be a no-lost-time claim if it's under seven days and it's just a medical-only claim where the claimant's going to get only medical benefits. Practically every construction claim that we've seen, the claimant gets medical and identity benefits because there's always lost time, because there's always allegedly a significant injury. Then, after the benefits start, before you know it, additional body parts are being claimed. And before you know it, the claimant's undergoing surgeries, whether it's for something related to the accident or something they're alleging related to the accident, but whereas it's something pre existing and then there are consequential injuries, and then we're off to the races with this claim. It happens so quickly. So many things can happen within the first three months of a claim that could be detrimental to uh, the general liability claim. So the alternative would be to deny the claim. The same rule applies, the 1810 rule, a decision must be made within this time period or uh, 25 days from the notice of indexing also known as the EC 84. The denial is made by uh, filing a FOIA 4 or a SROIA 4. Then the claimants submit medicals. You can get a pre-hearing conference in as little as 30 days after the claimant submits medicals and the trial is occurring in 30 days after the pre-hearing conference. So it's going by really, really, really quickly. a trial can come to conclusion. It's usually within one hearing, and a decision is usually made at the hearing. Sometimes the judges issue reserved decisions. Sometimes, if we're out of time and have many um, witnesses, or if an I mean cannot be obtained within a time frame, and the judge allows an extension of time, then it would be maybe two hearings. But generally, within 60 to 90 days, a decision on a trial is made. So why is it so important that we follow these timelines and we know about these timelines? I'll get into that in a second, but let's talk about some milestones. Now, I'm really uh, breezing through like the, the acceptance and denial of the claims here because I want to get to the milestones and I want to get to the impact of the workers' compensation claim uh, on the general liability claim. So the milestones in a workers' compensation claim that you should always take note of and if there's a general liability counsel assigned, um, we should always be in touch with them regardless of milestones. So it starts from the very first day, the very first day that the accident occurs um, or the very first day that the claimant uh, alleges or files something saying that an accident occurred. So the decision to accept or deny the case. In many of the cases that we see, when an accident occurs or being alleged that it has occurred, our clients, especially with the the OSIPS and the CSIPS, they would usually assign the claim to a general liability counsel and have um, them go out and do what is called a cloaked investigation. So they're out there on the job site the very first day or as soon as possible after the accident. What we recommend is that the workers' compensation uh, adjuster or the carrier work hand-in-hand hand with the general liability uh, adjuster and the attorney in order to determine whether to accept or deny a case. And the reason is the investigation, the cloaked investigation, the on-site investigation that occurs is very, very detailed and can provide you with a lot more information that you would have just from like a medical or, or an employee C3, or even the C2. So from the very beginning, If possible, if GL counsel has been assigned, definitely work with them to make a decision on whether to accept or deny the case. If you're speaking with witnesses, this is something that should also be discussed with General Liability Counsel because from their investigation, they would have a list of witnesses uh, that their investigators spoke with and we know exactly what they need to say we can work with them for them to obtain information that we would need in the workers' compensation claim. So it's very, very important to speak with witnesses. Now, just a reminder before I get through the rest of it, if there's no general liability counsel assigned, I think we should treat the workers' compensation claim like a general liability claim, especially when it arises out of a construction accident because I think there's like a 95, maybe a 98% chance that there's going to be a general liability claim. And then as I'm sure you've heard before, I've mentioned in previous webinars, the workers' compensation claim drives the general liability claim. All right, so another milestone would be a trial. A trial is very, very important, of course, because if we lose a trial, the claim gets established. I will also note that in workers' compensation, trials are also used to refer to any hearing where the claimant's testimony is being taken, whether it's on additional body parts, labor mark attachment, um, mechanism of injury, permanency, we call all of those trials. IMEs. IMEs are very important in the claim. They can make or break the claim. <laughs> Good IME doctors can help us. Bad IME doctors can really hurt us. I still think it's very important to communicate when we're getting an IME with GL counsel. Depositions are also very important because they're sworn testimony, they can be used in both the workers' compensation and general liability claim. When additional body parts are being alleged or included, or even better, disallowed in the workers' compensation claim, this is inf- information that should be shared with General Liability counsel because it can really affect their exposure on their end. Any surgeries can also affect exposure both in the workers' comp and general liability side, we should be sharing those with them. Uh, Reduction or suspension of payments also has an impact because that would influence uh, um, any potential settlement or the value of the claim that's being alleged in the general liability side. Labor market attachment, if we prevail, benefits are suspended, good news for both workers' comp and general liability. Um, if the claimant has returned to work, same thing. Benefits are suspended. The value of this claim should significantly decrease as a result of that. Permanency, any permanency findings, or if it's going to trial in permanency, I think it's important to be sharing this with General Liability Counsel also, especially when uh, the claimant's PDF1 form comes in showing, you know, the things that he could actually do or claiming that he cannot do. Also important vocational expert reports. These are commonly obtained in the general liability side. We've been successful in using them on the workers' compensation side. The only thing is they have to be timely. Um, There's been situations where they come in after the permanency findings are made and we're not able to use them or they've actually been available before the trial but they weren't provided to us so we weren't able to use them. So it's really important that we keep the communication going. And very importantly, broad findings. Fraud findings and the workers' compensation claim would suspend the claimant's benefits, hopefully forever if a discretionary penalty is entered by the board. This is usually done when the fraud is egregious enough to warrant a permanent disqualification from benefits. And this is something that we have seen used often on the general liability side to really cut settlements in a half or a third because the claimant is really not entitled to any additional wage loss benefits. So these are the milestones we should keep in mind. We should keep them in mind whether or not there is a general liability claim, but because it's a construction claim, it's an accident that rose out of construction. Like I said, there's a very, very high chance that claimant's going to file a general liability claim, and all of this could potentially come back to either help us or haunt us. And I would like to see they help us as opposed to haunt us. So, like I said, it's really best to treat every workers' compensation claim arising out of a construction accident like a general liability claim. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the pace. And this really hones in the reason why these milestones are so important. Workers' compensation claims, like I mentioned, they can go from date of accident to the end of trial, within nine days. Within six months, we've had two surgeries, three additional body parts, and the consequential psych that starts almost immediately in a lot of situations. On the flip side, the general liability claims, there's a statute of limitations of three years for them. Three years. Even for public entities, a notice of claim must be filed within 90 days A lot of times, the claimants wait until until close to the 90 days to file the notice of claim. The workers' compensation claim is already progressing. Things are already happening. We already had a trial. We already had witnesses, Um, maybe an IME, depositions. The claimant has testified. And nothing's been happening from the other end. So, And then permanency can be reached in about two years. The case can technically be closed before the general liability claim is even filed. This is how crazy it is and this is why we need to really, really pay attention to the workers' compensation claim. Um, Let's talk about what possibly went wrong when we are way into the workers' compensation claim and then the general liability claim is filed. Sorry, I paused there a little to make sure my animation came in properly. (laughs) All right, so we are one and a half years into the workers' compensation claim. We've had, we denied the claim, we lost the trial. The claimant had two surgeries, he had consequential injuries, he hasn't returned to work, he hasn't been found to, um, labor market attachment hasn't been raised because we keep on saying, all right, our IME is finding a marked disability, there's no point in litigating, we'll just stipulate to an ongoing rate. Then all of a sudden, a year and a half later, guess what? Claimant files his general liability claim and we're we're in the oh shucks moment. What do we do do now? What went wrong? The claimant could easily substantiate his general liability claim when a lot of things went spiral out of control the workers' comp claim just went off to the races, everything's established, he's getting benefits. That's his general liability claim There, all right? So some of the things that we've noticed, and we are constantly counseling our clients with regards to how to uh, handle the workers' compensation claim and how to treat them. One thing that we see commonly happen is the claim is being accepted without doing a proper investigation. It comes in, There's one person on the job site who said, yeah, something happened, he told me something, I didn't see anything, but we believe him. Then the medicals come in and say that he hurt every body part from the head to toe. All right, seems legit. We kind of have some sort of uh, uh, matching stories here between this witness and the medicals. We're just going to accept the claim for all of the body parts. Or later down the road, new medicals come in, the IME, we get an IME uh, with regards to causal relation of additional body parts, and um, you can see it's the additional body parts. We just agree to accept them without taking any testimony, getting any witnesses or cross-examining the claims doctor. The other thing we've seen is that we agree to rates. I mean, it's no secret that there are some really bad IMEs out there. They're coming back with findings of the uh, 75% disability total disability and we just keep on agreeing to rates. Don't pursue a labor market attachment. A year and a half, two years into the case, we still haven't had a labor market attachment trial. We haven't done depositions in degree of disability. The claimant continues to get benefits. And then the GL claim is filed and it's really easily substantiated at this point. So let's prevent that from happening. You know, one of the things that I focus on a lot when i am speaking with my clients and handling my cases is to try to diminish or reduce exposure from the very beginning cut out the body parts get this guy to go back to work Get surveillance fraud finding um try to get the best eye out there get all of it teed up so that when not if when he files a general liability claim at least we can say we have a pretty solid workers compensation claim, at least from our perspective, that we can use elements of it to defend against high exposure in the general liability claim. Of course, we wouldn't be able to, you know, be so helpful in things like general 240 strict liability. That's something that, you know, is either going to exist or not exist, but we can certainly help with the ultimate exposure of the general liability claim. So I talked about these briefly as I went through the presentation. The solution to the problem really is to be proactive from day one, conduct timely investigation in every case, treat every worker's compensation claim like a GL claim. I mean, we have to be very detailed with our investigation, question everything, bring in witnesses, uh, take the claimant's testimony, take the doctor's testimony as much as we need to. Report milestones and developments to general liability defense Council. Create joint defense strategies. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, workers' compensation law, section 21A. I think this is a tool for employers and carriers, especially those in the construction industry where the job site is so organic and so ever-changing that an accident occurs today by the time the investigator gets there tomorrow to conduct an investigation, things have changed, Uh, machinery have been removed, there's additional structures or scaffolding have been removed, whatever the case is. And it really interferes with investigation. You know, we can get a good um, recreation of the scene or we don't know what exactly happened or where it happened because things are removed, things have changed, there's a building structure, And, you know, workers are no longer there. They're generally the union workers. They're there today, they're not there tomorrow. There's no surveillance tapes. So a lot of factors really come into play in doing these investigations. And oftentimes it can be really, really difficult to do a thorough investigation. However, because of the board's strict rules, the the, the 1810 timeline that I talked about earlier, a decision has to be made quickly. Or the carrier is going to lose its opportunity to file a denial and maintain all of its defenses. And, you know, it's really prejudiced, but the board doesn't really care about that. And a penalty is usually issued. Usually the penalty is, I'd say, insignificant. Um, but I think the solution to the problem would be to utilize the protections of Section 218. So what exactly is 218? It permits a carrier to take up to a year, 365 days, to determine whether it will accept or deny a claim when timely payments are made during this period, and the claimants and the board notified that such payments are made without liability. All right, so great. This is very helpful, and I think it's a very powerful tool for employers and carriers, but we must be very, very careful because the proper forms must be filed, the case must be designated as being accepted without prejudice. And yes, you might be paying the claimant for several months or close to a year, but given the potential high exposure of these construction claims, I do believe that any amount of money that's paid out while a proper investigation is being conducted um, is uh, is worth the risk um, the investigation should be conducted. Many times, we've seen the investigation comes back, and it helps with the denial of the claim. And then the money that was already spent is just pretty much pennies in comparison to the potential millions of dollars that the general liability claim could be worth um, after the case is all built up. So I would recommend that we, you know, start thinking about using the benefits of this statute but I think we should all be educated. It must be like calendared properly because if the 365 days go by and the denial document's not filed, the claim will be deemed to be accepted by the carrier and then we can no longer deny it. So what I would recommend is if this one's being, if this is being used, it'd be calendared maybe for like monthly reminders that a denial must be filed. the investigation to get done completely and generally though i've never really seen any of my clients wait until close to a year to file a denial sometimes we just need a couple more weeks for the investigation to continue you know so within about 60 days i've seen them uh file the proper document saying well we're going to deny it based on additional investigation and you know then. The entire process of a pre-hearing conference and a trial set. We go through the motions. If a proper investigation is done, we the trial. If not, the claim is established. But then we take all of the other necessary steps, and we continue to defend the claim as best as we can. So keep this in mind. If you have any other, if you have any questions regarding how 21A works, let me know. Whether in the text box here, you can send me an email, and I'll be sure to go over with you. So, civil milestones we should be asking about. These I discussed in my presentation last month, where we talked about um, where I talked about uh, the basics of the general liability claims. The same way we were thinking about the milestones and the workers' compensation claim, we should be asking our general liability adjusters and attorneys. What's going on in your claim? Like This is a list of things you need to be telling us about. The statute of limitations, this is something we can calculate ourselves. We should always have it marked. The public entity notice, within 90 days, a notice of claim must be filed against a public entity. 50H hearings for the public entities. Anytime a complaint answer a bill of particulars is filed. These are usually helpful because we can see what exactly they're claiming. It helps us also because we can anticipate what's gonna be claimed in the workers' compensation claim if it hasn't been claimed already. So if he's claiming 10 body parts in his bill of particulars, but only five are established, we know the other five are coming in the workers' compensation claim because that's how he is going to support his general liability claim. So it's really important for us to have these documents. Depositions. So a word on the depositions and the 50-H hearings, these are sworn statements we have successfully used these in the workers' compensation claim to find that the claimant's a fraud. You know, he goes into those depositions, he testifies that X, Y, and Z happened or that the mechanism of injury is very different from what he told us. And we're like, hold up. Wait, what? This is not what he told us in the workers' compensation claim. So we've definitely used that to raise and pursue fraud. Mediations, I talked about this last month. Um, Just a reminder, have your workers' comp defense counsel be involved in the mediation, not the actual mediation, but attend the mediation. Be well-versed on the um, status of the workers' compensation claim, just in case the claimant's attorney is uh, miss, uh, misspeaking, misspeaking about what's going on in the workers' compensation claim in an effort to sway the mediator one way or the other. And also, the IMEs, the expert reports, whatever's going on in the general liability claim, we should know about those as well, um, because they could potentially help us in the workers compensation claim. All right. So that's all I have in this topic. I hope it was helpful. Um, like I said, I tried not to get into too much details because we do cover a lot of topics in our regular monthly New York webinar series, but I really wanted to focus this on the issues that we see in the construction claims, which is essentially the pace. We must pay attention to the pace of the workers' compensation claim versus the pace of the general liability claim and all of the milestones. Um, These don't really impact the regular workers' compensation claim. That's why I'm stressing about it so much. So, that concludes the end of this webinar. Next month, April 6th, I will be talking about risk reduction transfer schemes. This is golden to us because we can get lean back, we can, um, you know, uh, get recovery from another like third party if there's a motor vehicle or something involved. So we'll talk about that. I think it will be very interesting for us to uh, know if there's been ways we can actually get some of that money back. And then for the rest of the year, we'll talk about OSIPs and CSIPs, I'll talk about some coverage issues. We saw some really uh, interesting board decisions recently. Um, I'll talk about those. And as always, I'm going to try to give real-life examples of things that I'm seeing in my files and with my clients. Now, before I get into questions, I also wanted to announce that this month, March 18th to the 20th, I will be at the CLM annual conference in Dallas. I'm actually speaking at the conference. And guess what my topic is? I'm talking about the importance of uh, collaboration between workers' compensation and general liability defense. If you're going to be there, shoot me an email or be sure to say hello when you're there. I would like to see you. Um, all right. So let's see. Questions. I don't have any questions. Did I do such a good job or was it so boring? Anyway, if you can think of any questions later, whether it's a a general workers' conversation question, something construction related, or if you wanna hear more about the, uh, the protections of 21A, you can send me an email. Also, just a reminder, this year we launched our construction handbook, authored by yours truly, if you'd like a copy. I can send you a hard copy, I can also send you a PDF copy. Um, So just let me know. All right, once again, thank you for joining me and I hope you all learned something here today. I'll see you in about a month, thank you.